Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, well. I asked Susan, I said, are you ready? (laughs) I don't get a chance to honor my wife much, but she means very much to me. God works in mysterious ways. He surely does. I don't do a lot of teaching. I teach throughout just talking. I know that's just natural, but to actually create an outline in a teaching, I enjoy because it calms me down, forces me to get organized. But within that... There's always room to veer off and chase a rabbit. So, before I dive into what I'm going to discuss, I want everyone to bear with me for a second because, you know, I'm not standing in front of you. I'm standing in front of something that is completely invisible right now to the naked eye. You know, we are, we are truly standing in front of two realms. There's the realm of darkness and there's the realm of light and every single demon and power and principality that dwells in the earth is listening to anyone who is carrying the spirit of truth. That is listening to the words coming out of your mouth and my mouth that declare the righteousness and the authority that dwells in the name of God. So this, this is really a message to, to tear down strongholds to those powers and principalities, those foul spirits of unbelief that sit over cities, that sits over this city in some areas. That we really are wrestling with something that is not just in this room. There's an audience outside of these walls and if if you can imagine in your mind a scene of like a huge amphitheater or a huge coliseum there are angels and there are demonic presences watching and seeing what's happening inside that arena of who is actually rallying around the throne of God so Lord we're standing here because it is your word that declares and dismantles and moves those foul spirits of unbelief that would cause people to put their hope in something that is not real. So I'm just stirring up right now. I'm stirring up an environment where we are really warring in something that is not natural. I know the angels are present in the room. I don't see any of them with my naked eye right now, but I know they're dwelling in this this room. The title of what I'm going to discuss is called Why Truth is Relevant, a Hard Pill to Swallow. The hard pill to swallow is actually a chapter two from the book that I finished that I'll be having about 100 copies printed to start handing out because... The question is, why is truth relevant? 
And I'm going to answer that question and I'm going to basically begin to start emphasizing why it's important that we embrace the position of its relevancy. You know, Webster's definition of relevant starts off with to have a significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. A second definition is affording evidence tending to prove or disprove the matter at issue or under discussion. There's a lot of subjects that require many discussions right now on whether or not certain things are significant in reference to what we believe or what we are standing on. The truth is relevant when it comes to determining the outcome of what will or what will not happen regarding to our well-being or the well-being of others. You talk about the Constitution. Is not anything that's happening centered around that document going to affect the well-being of me or the people around me based on the outcome of the circumstances that might be in discussion on whether it's relevant? How much more with the spiritual authority that God has established with a word that is defined by his authority that sits over the earth with spiritual laws that dictate the sun and the moon rising and coming and going and the tides moving, the authority that displaces anything that sets itself up against his name. If there's anything worth rallying around, it's something that actually brings life, that destroys death, and how it's relevant into causing our life to be an overcomer. So I'm going to read a chapter. Uh, man, I got what? It's 1119. The problem I have is, is not finding out what to say. It's finding out what not to say so I can condense it to 30 to 45 minutes. The brain just starts exploding with, with things. And so I want everyone to turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. The truth matters when it comes to dismantling lies. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. This is early on with Solomon after having this dream, encountering God and receiving wisdom to rule over a nation. So Solomon begins to judge this situation, this discussion that has become very relevant between these two ladies. So verse 16 some time later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. 
and in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. The other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. The king probably threw his hands up listening to these two women bickering at one another going, okay, just time out for a second, okay? Let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. The wisdom presents itself in a very mysterious and unpredictable way. All right, bring me a sword. The two ladies probably are like, a sword? Not a crib? Not a coffin? I mean, so a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child who loved him very much cried out, oh no, 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 stop that my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine, divide him between us. Saw him in half and let it be over with and I'll move on and let that child be put to rest. Then the king said, stop. Do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is the mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. You don't think the truth was relevant in deciding who was lying and who wasn't? We're just getting into the depth of where I'm going. There are only two spirits we can operate in. We will live in a spirit of truth or we will live in a spirit of lying. There is no middle ground on this subject. And if you are only telling part of the truth, then you are still operating under a spirit of deception. Holy Spirit, you are the one that convicts and brings things to the light. And it is your prayer, it is your work that you desire to transform us so that we represent truly what is true, which is being in alignment with the way you think and your kingdom. And that's what I'm praying that you will begin to stir up not only in the ears of here, but that those who are listening, you foul, unrivaling, wrestling powers that are trying to tear down the things that stand against the name of God. You are listening to the words coming out of my mouth because there are more with us and we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's, that is a, just a confirmation of building to where I'm going. We truly are wrestling with something that has been here for thousands of years that's been thrown down to the earth, setting itself up to run a kingdom that would begin to destroy the very lives of people who are looking for an answer. 
You go to verse 22. You see this foul, lying spirit at work and what it brings. Then the other woman interrupted. It was certainly, it was your son and the living child is mine. What does she say? Verse 22. She goes into this, uh, she, she, she lied. Verse 22, she said, it was certainly your son. An accusation. You want to recognize a slithering, lying spirit? Watch out for the accusations. Watch out for the, the, the mouth of one trying to twist the truth of the situation and accusing someone of something that's not right. Every lying spirit is associated with accusation to defend its cause. And the spirit of truth will always demonstrate what is right and what is just. And what did that woman do? Let the baby live and give it to the other woman so that my child can actually live. Amen. Is the truth relevant? I'm sure it was right there. And you know, think about this a step further. Why do you think that woman was lying? She just woke up and killed her own baby. You don't think she was wounded in pain? Tormented by the loss of her own child, and how do you think she wanted to? She didn't know how to handle it. She wasn't necessarily lying because she was a liar. She had just lost her own son. The wound had come in, had robbed from her, and it caused her to start twisting into something that she never thought she would be to accuse someone of, of, of something that wasn't true. The door for the lying spirit comes in when we get wounded. And we agree with it, and we let it come in and fester, and then we start doing things that we know we're not supposed to be doing. So God, please start releasing the power of healing so that that thing will be crushed. She was just doing all she knew how to do from losing her own son. Sometimes things aren't people necessarily operating the way they want to. They just are overcome by darkness. So switch to me to John chapter 18. Now, you know, it's wonderful to speak in front of a crowd that loves truth. You know, Addie's always the, the reassuring message bearer. But you know, when you have to talk to people who don't believe what you're saying is true, the real test of what you're living in will come out because it's great when people agree with you, but when you start getting into disagreements and discussions and people start saying things about you that aren't true, that's when you find out whether or not you really believe what you're standing on. It's easy to give truth in an environment where it's flooded in the light, but go step in the darkness, start talking about the truth. John chapter, that's Gospel of John chapter 18. And then we're going to go to verse 28. I'm doing pretty good here on time. It's only 11.29. We try to kill it at 12, right? I can pull this off. And the Lord, you know, he might have some ministry today. I'm not sure. You know, I'm teaching, but he, he just might turn that switch on and start unloading some, some ministry. You know, teaching is teaching. 
But then there's the actual work of the Holy Spirit trying to move on us. He's in the room. He's been invited, and he responds to an invitation. I'm going to get to verse 28. <laughs> okay. Verse 28 of John 18. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas, how do you pronounce that? Caiaphas, thank you, ended in the early hours of the morning. And then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them. Notice the accusers didn't go inside. So the spirit of accusation was already present. That foul demon who was operating then is still operating now, still bringing accusation. Just like the woman had fallen into agreeing with about the dead baby thousands of years later. And they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover if they went inside. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Another accusation. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permit, permitted to execute someone. The Jewish leaders replied, this fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked. Jesus says, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? What have you been hearing? What's your thoughts on my situation? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why, what have you done? Jesus is probably going, if you only knew. <laughs> if you just only knew. He goes, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus never actually answers the question. You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth, Pilate declares. What is truth? This is not a new question. It's really not. That lying spirit was there right there with Jesus on trial, accusing him of being a criminal. Jesus never answers the question. He never defends his innocence. Pilate says that question. What is truth? Oh boy, man, this is, this is a question that many people in our time just cannot answer. Now, do they not want to answer it? They don't know how to answer it. They don't even believe it's even relevant. How many here have seen the movie, The Matrix, that came out in 1999? Okay. I was hoping to show a clip, but, you know, you've got to be cautious of legal parameters. So this movie came out in 1999. The quick synopsis of this movie portrays just a parallel of the question that's on the film that's so relevant to our own thinking. You know, Morpheus is the main character, and then you have Neo, who is the, the other main character, 
and they, they have this first time meeting. The Matrix is basically a computer program. Neo is in the program, not realizing that it's really a program, and Morpheus has been taken out of the program, and he knows what the real world is. So they meet for the first time. And they sit down, introduce each self to each other, and Morpheus looks at him and he goes, you want to know what it is. You want to know what the matrix is. You want to know the truth. And Neo goes, what truth? He goes, and you watch this clip. He goes, the truth that you're a slave. That you've been born into bondage. Into a prison you can't taste, see, touch, or smell. That your mind is enslaved. And it's masquerading itself so you cannot find the truth. Who's the original liar? <laughs> Morpheus tells Neo that's the world that's been pulled over his eyes to blind him to the truth. Those who know the gospel, those who have been born again, understand the, the two worlds at war, the two worlds that are at enmity at one another. All of us have been in the darkness of bondage. It's the parallel that we're born into sin, the slavery that our mind went into captivity from the beginning when the devil knew that if he could get Eve to believe a lie, to create doubt that she would exchange it and she would go into slavery. In the chapter two of my book, I have um, a chapter called it's Hard Pill to Swallow. Neo is faced with two pills. Morpheus says, here's a blue pill, take this. In the movie, it's a tracer program. It, it goes into his bloodstream, and they can trace where he is inside the computer software. But in reality, he's saying you have a choice for this blue pill. Take it. Believe what you want. Wake up the next day. This never happened. Believe what you want. Take the red pill. Get the answer. Understand that the other world that I can see that you can't see that I'm testifying to because I'm testifying to the truth and you need to see it for yourself because my testimony will not accomplish what your own experience needs. Believe that if you take this red pill, you go down the rabbit hole and you see how deep Alice gets into Wonderland. This is the moment when Jesus says to you, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. You won't even begin to see the truth of my world if you don't become born of my spirit. Quoted Addie just the other day, and I'll quote her today. There has to be evidence. There has to be evidence that you're born again. What does it say? Is truth relevant? Well, there's affording the evidence of the argument of what's relevant. 
There are three types of truth. There's objective truth, subjective truth, and absolute truth. I'm going to read each of these from my chapter 2. Objective truth is based on the object of what exists. We can use a pine tree for an example of objective truth. When we look at a pine tree, we can see it has green pine needles. If someone tells us that the pine tree has green pine needles, we will agree this is a true statement. The evidence of the statement is supported by what one sees. There is no argument over the science proving the tree's characteristics. The evidence is clear and objective. However, subjective truth is completely different. I'm a white Caucasian male. Would you agree with that? I don't care. I don't stand before the opinion of the world. Neither should you. And many of you don't. And there's a crown on your head filling up with jewels for the faith and the work that you stand in. Because the real inheritance is not here. Subjective truth is based on feelings, opinion, or a person's perspective. Subjective truth can change from one day to the next day when our opinion changes. Subjective truth can change when our attitude changes towards subjects we do not like. The risk with subjective truth is that it does not require facts to support it. It only needs an opinion to survive within the individual. This type of truth is conditional, and when the conditions change, so do the principles that surround these claims. There's a lot of things conditional on what people will call truth because they only want their opinion to dictate what they are comfortable with and the narrative they want. They justify their actions because they have become their own measurement of what is right and wrong. So then we get into absolute truth. What is the truth? The question of all questions. The word love, I think, and I just Googled it. You know, God created Google. He really did. Everything that functions in the earth is a byproduct of God's creative expression. Now, whether it's under his dominion and rule and being used for righteousness is a different question or subject. God loves technology, and I like technology, too. If there is absolute truth, then all other beliefs will have to yield to the one who establishes this plumb line. The plumb line determines what is right and what is wrong. Absolute truth cannot be conditional, biased, or tainted in any way like subjective truth. It is in a class of its own. Mere opinions cannot shake it, and disagreeing with it won't make room for new interpretations. Man cannot claim ownership for absolute truth because man is imperfect and flawed. We will have to conclude that absolute truth must be flawless, perfect, and can lead us without fault. God defines the truth for us. 
He measures what is right and wrong according to his words, and his words transform us from within so we will not conform to the pattern of the world. That is Romans 12, 2. If God defines the truth for us, then we have to come to the place if we want to decide if we actually want to embrace the fact that what he's saying is true or do we want to basically disagree with him? If you define the truth who is imperfect, flawed, trying to figure out what's happening, then everything you tell someone that you think is true will be flawed, it will fail or disappoint, it will never measure up to leading you into the place where you can stand in the position that when things shake, you won't be shaken. Because when we are anchored to absolute truth, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and what I say is true, then you're not standing on your own words, but on the words of the one who has secured you in his identity, and you understand that that is the place where you can stand in front of the giants and the powers and the principalities, because you're not standing on your own words. You want confidence, then you rally around the one who gives you confidence. You want to be on fire, you stand next to where the fire is and you get hot. You want to burn, get to next to something that's burning. And if you wonder why you're not on fire for God, it's because you're not near the fire. You're too far away from where the heat is. Being on fire is nothing but being in love. <laughs> Just like marriage, sometimes you have to stoke the fire. <laughs> love language is still a mystery to uncover. God has a love language too. Where am I at right now? You know, it's the gift of discernment is the ability to distinguish what is true and what is a lie. Some people have a true gift of discernment. However, everybody who is infilled with the Holy Spirit or the spirit of truth can distinguish when someone is lying and someone is telling the truth because it is the spirit of truth that gives you the ability to understand what's happening. There's a lot of people who hold positions of power in our current administration and in the government. I don't care what side of the coin you're on. The question is, are you operating under a spirit of truth or are you operating under a spirit of lying? There's some real liars in positions of power right now. It's just, it's real clear. Let me tell you something, God does not like a lying tongue. It's one of the seven things that he hates is a lying tongue. If we think God is not paying attention to what's happening in the earth, then we haven't come to really come into sitting in that place where we have been elevated with him. But God is patient, full of endurance, waiting for people to come to know the so they can be brought to and repentance. You know, (laughs) 
The truth has great bearing on the matters at hand concerning the war between what is good and evil, right and wrong, and it separates between the light and the darkness. Why is the truth relevant? It's relevant because it's the only thing that will set us free. Period. There is an onslaught, a true onslaught of the demons that have doctrines that are trying to contort and to conform the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about those who are called by his name, not people who are just trying to build organizations to rally momentum, to get money, to build a career. I'm not talking, I'm talking about a calling. The definition of what the church is, is a called people who are listening to the spirit of truth. Period. What spirit are we listening to? You shall know the truth and it will set you free. When you tell someone that it's okay to live in immoral life and God approves of it, you are becoming the actual devil himself by lying to someone. You become the spirit of lying because you are now telling something that is not in accordance with God's nature. You literally become the son of the father of lies. And why did Jesus rebuke the Pharisees? Because you don't listen to me because I'm not your father. If you knew me, then you wouldn't be lying. You wouldn't be trying to kill me. We are witnessing that time predicted from long ago, setting up the promise of when the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdom of God. You know, this message, these promises have been established before the foundations of the earth. There's nothing new under the sun. This is truth that has been established long before my body ever presented itself in this earth. And either you are listening to God and seeing what he's doing, or you're questioning whether or not he is who he says he really is. God is going to finish what he started, whether people are on board with it or not. But when you choose to believe that he is who he says he is, you get to get involved and get on the train when he starts moving. The Lord doesn't want anybody left out. He just wants people to believe him. And all he's trying to do is help us to understand, well, who is the liar and who is not? We all have lies that we have believed. We all have certain lies that we think that we know how the Lord acts in certain situations, but we are believing certain strongholds because that is not how God may be thinking about that. We must know the word. The word is designed for tearing down strongholds, pulling them down, transforming us into being solid so that we can attest what is right and what is wrong.
Did I meet you a week or two ago? Not you. I, met, I know I met you guys, but the gentleman, did I meet you a week ago, two weeks ago? Okay. You're back in front of me again. What was your name again? Nick. Man, I saw another vision of you standing on the cliff. Leap of faith. The plan of the enemy would be to push you off. The plan of God is to get you to leap in faith. You're at a crossroads, a place of decision. You leap. It pleases God. Because without faith, you can't please him. You won't fall. Man, there's, there's, there's an important time right now for you to make a decision that will change the course of your entire future. Is that lining up with anything right now that's happening in your life? You don't have to get too deep. It's kind of a yes or a no. I'm all... Sure. Well, I just think it's specific to the season of where you're going. <laughs> Planning to move. <laughs> That's that song from uh, who is that? That's that's yeah. Who sings that? The uh, who sings that song? Should I stay or should I go now? The word is to just trust in the direction the Lord is leading you to jump off the cliff. Living in faith, he'll catch you. Lord bless Nick and his, his decisions, the decision he has to make on a move. Make it, give him a sign, give him a confirmation. Is any of this bearing witness to you? Amen. See, this is, this is good stuff when people are clapping. Amen. But I'm going to read a passage that I have in here, and I think this is going to be a good, good transition. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to read that. I'll tell you, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Jesus stood before the Pharisees, and he said, I'm telling you the truth. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you're demon-possessed. That's why. That's what they told him. He's like, <laughs> you think I have a demon? They called him demon-possessed. He's like, I'm standing in front of you. You're so blind to the truth, you can't even see it if it smacks you in the face. And I have a demon. I had an experience four years ago. I heard the word audibly whispered in my ear, tungsten. And I heard it for a second time, tungsten. I woke up, I said, man, that is an odd word. Spelled T-U-N-G-S-T-E-N. I was like, what is that? 
I look it up. I mean, obviously it was an encounter the Lord is speaking to. It might have been an angel. It might have been the Lord himself, but it was an audible word spoken to me twice. I woke up. I start digging into it. I believe the Lord has given me a real word that I'm standing on for the times that we're living in. But the word tungsten is the definition of a metal. It's a metal. And they use this metal. And they attach it to other metals to increase the melting point because it's the highest melting point of metal in the earth. It won't start melting until around 6,000 degrees. So what do they do with it? They attach it to other metals to strengthen it so it can withstand the heat. Strengthening its properties so that it can be molded and, and strengthened into something that it could not be. You also look into the word tungsten in, in the Wikipedia. It says what well, also has a name called woofram. Woofram. Woof and ram. Woofram. And it instantly is like, oh, wow, there's two words that have to be separate. I believe the scriptures are being fulfilled before our eyes. It's very clearly. We are in a time that, you know, that's going to happen. There was a time when Jesus walked to earth and we weren't here, but there were people who were destined to be alive at the time he came the first round. But the wolfram started to unfold this whole revelation about the wolves and the rams. And there are two distinct qualities that you can see happening in our culture, in our relevant time. There are those who will love the truth and those who will distort it. Paul says, when I leave this place today, he's talking, uh, I think, in the book of Acts, watch out for the wolves, for they are going to come from behind and they're going to distort the truth. And you look at Abraham when he's going to sacrifice his own son, he stops and what does he see over in the bushes? A ram. The rams are the ones who lay their life down for the sake of the truth. We have to rally around the Lord. We have to testify of the truth. We know the truth. We testify of it. We've seen it. We become a witness. But we are living in a time where there will have to be a separation. It is determined that the, the wolves and the rent, those who love the truth and those who don't love it cannot dwell in the same pasture. Amen. It's just the way it's going to unfold. It's a promise. The Lord is looking for those who truly love the truth because they will protect it. They will defend it. They will stand up for it. And they will be willing to say, let my child go so that it may live. Even though I may not benefit from having my own kid, I would rather do what's right for the sake of preserving the truth for my son so that that son won't be murdered. That's what the Lord is bringing us to. And there's many people we can have conversations with about all kinds of behaviors that don't line up with the nature and the image of God. And I'm sorry, but I'm not looking for people's opinions. And what many in the church who are leaders are calling a call to unity is being tricked into what the devil is using as a way to conform people to twist the truth. 
This administration that says we love all people, we want to unify the parties. No, what you want is you want people to agree with you, to conform to a position that if I don't agree with you, then you're going to threaten my life to take away my privileges. No, that's called manipulation. That's called a spirit of witchcraft. And what the Lord is bringing us to is to rally and to say we will not compromise even unto a point of it causing us pain and persecution. There are, what I'm going to leave with this, there's two things that are going to happen. When you testify the truth, when you stand in front of people who don't like you, don't agree with you, who think you're a bigot or a hater because you don't support their immoral lifestyle, there will be rejection. The question is, who do you want to be rejected by? Because the approval of the world is going to gain absolutely nothing. But the person who poured out the sacrifice and love and pain, the blood that caused the redemption in your life to give you a future, to pull you out of the world that masqueraded around your eyes, that is the one you want to be accepting you. Lord, thank you for this people in this room that love truth. That love truth. You're going somewhere and you're doing things and you've been doing that since day one. We just need to see where you're going and what you're doing and being able, Lord, release an increased level of discernment. And here's how you get it. You want to discern what's happening around you? Develop a love for what is right and develop a love for the truth because when you don't want to hear the truth because you want to hear what you want to hear, you will fall like Balaam and you'll just hear what you want to hear and what you think is the, the Lord speaking to you will really be your own idol. What you call God's voice really be your own self-truth and your own idol. And then you will start realizing why you're living in so much confusion because you can't hear the truth because you only want to hear what you want to hear. And this right here is the secret to being a discerning individual. Lord, I need to know your ways. And the way of God is he always does what is right. Lord, release an increased level of discerning abilities in the body, a release of courage, stand up in the face, because you're not standing up in the face of the person. The real war is vertical with the liars and the unbelieving spirits that are trying to masquerade the truth around the world for you so that you cannot really see the Lord. Lord, bless these people.